0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 37 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast. I'm Nick Grisco at Fantasy Law Guy on Instagram. Today's show, week three, matchup previews. keep dropped the ball! keep uh-huh. dropped the ball! He did what? Playoffs? We'll what we about? Playoffs? Who the hell is Mel They are who we thought they were! Let him on the hook. Playoffs. I just hope we can win a game. It's a quarterback. What the hell's going on out here? Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep attriculating the ball down the field. I boy. saw. It, son. I saw. I saw. Hello. You play to win the game. Hartley. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. Above average. Is how Coach Mike Leach described his day after upsetting the defending champion LSU Tigers yesterday afternoon, and above averages, how I hope this matchup preview will be today. I mean, as long as it's not as bad as LSU was yesterday, we should be okay, right? The cornerbacks and really the defense as a whole and the offensive line just totally got wrecked yesterday. But we're not here to talk college football. We are here to talk NFL football, and on Friday, I gave my matchup previews for the Sunday night football game between the Saints and Packers, as well as the Monday night football game between the Chiefs and Ravens. So if you want that preview, those will not be included in today's preview show. Please play episode 36 after today's show if you want, again, the Saints, the Packers, the Chiefs, and Ravens. for pretty good teams with a lot of fantasy Impact there. And I'll remind you again at the conclusion of this episode. uh, But I think I'm going to start previewing the Sunday night football and the Monday night football games on Friday just to lighten the load for the weekend pods. I know that on the weekend pods, I just talk and ramble. I go through every single matchup. It takes forever. They're usually longer than an hour, which is suboptimal, especially because on the weekend, it's not your normal routine, right? Like it's difficult to tune in for more than an hour on the weekend. But you know that I wait till the weekend to give the most accurate information ever. A lot of injuries come out on Friday, so that's the predicament here. So I try to, I will try to keep this a little shorter. I'll try to do the Sunday and Monday night football games on Friday, so we can just kind of fly through the noon and three fifteen slate here today, because I have been told. That My preview shows are quite lengthy. I am quite thorough, but you know that. That's wh- That's why you're here. Every fantasy-relevant player, every game, let's get started. <music> the Week 3 slate is more evened out this week, whereas in Weeks 1 and 2, we've had like 9 or 10 games at noon and only 3 or 4 in the afternoon slate— This week, the breakdown is eight noon games and five afternoon games. And I like that a lot better. And the Saints play Sunday night. So for me personally, I get to focus on fantasy during the day before my team plays at night. So it's a pretty sweet setup for me. Now let's get to the first game. The 2-0 Tennessee Titans are traveling to Minnesota to face the 0-2 Vikings, in Vegas only as Tennessee, is a 2.5 road favorite, which is surprising on the surface given the Vikings' total disaster of the start. Minnesota has run fewer than 50 offensive plays in both of their opening games, which is an eye-opening number that explains why their fantasy totals for the Stars have been pretty subpar. Like, they just can't get first downs, they can't move the ball, and their defense just can't stop opposing offenses from doing the same and get them off the field. And Kirk Cousins was a turnover machine last week, and you cannot trust him in fantasy football. His upside is virtually non-existent with only one legitimate pass catcher, and that's Thielen, of course. And this is a run-first offense at its core that really lacks passing volume and apparently lacks play volume in a major way. You aren't starting Kirk Cousins, probably even in Superflex leagues, until he shows any signs of life. Adam Thielen has 16 targets through two games, But it's really just been one great game for Thielen and one bad game for Thielen. I am feeling Thielen here. His 53% air yards for his team, his team air yard share, leads the NFL. And Tennessee is missing its two top corners, Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler. And there's just no other pass catchers on this team. Maybe Justin Jefferson in the future, but right now there's none. So I think Adam Thielen is an every-week start. And I like his matchup this week. I think there's a strong chance that he has a bounce-back game. Let's say eight catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Dalvin Cook gets a nice matchup as well. This Tennessee defense is better on paper than they have been playing in reality. Recall that Jacksonville scored 30 points against them last week. I think Dalvin Cook should get 100 total yards and a score here as well. And I'm confidently starting him where I roster him, which is nowhere. I don't have Dalvin Cook anywhere. He was lower on my draft board. Uh, But you may be, and that's why I say that, to say what I would do if I did roster Dalvin Cook and what I would do is definitely start him. I think the Vikings are more competitive than uh, people think in this game. Okay, so on the flip side, uh, we have the Titans. A.J. Brown is out for this game. Ryan Tannehill has been playing hot ever since week seven of last year. Uh, And that's really ever since he became the Titans starter, honestly. So maybe he's not just playing hot. Maybe he's just really good. And I view Tannehill as a quarterback one in fantasy football, a top 12 quarterback, unless it's a brutal matchup, of course. And this certainly is not that imposing, at least on paper. In fact, it's pretty appetizing. Tannehill should be in starting lineups. And the only quarterbacks I'm starting over Ryan Tannehill this week, Lamar, Kyler, Russ, Dak, Cam, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Big Ben versus Houston, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, and then probably Tannehill. So I view him as a top 12 quarterback this week. Um, The Vikings are already shorthanded. Sands Anthony Barr, and they will be without two of their top cornerbacks, Cameron Dantzler and Mike Hughes, for this contest. Derrick Henry, yeah, the slow start, pretty frustrating. But this happens with him. He started slowly for the last two seasons in a row, before a big November in Decembers. And it seems like defenses are privy to the fact that the Titans are going to give Henry 30 touches a game and they are gearing up to shut him down. And the Titans losing run blocking Mauler Jack Conklin at right tackle, that's hurt the blocking. The blocking has not been as clean, and I get that he needs to score touchdowns to generate first-round value in fantasy football, especially in PPR leagues, because he just doesn't catch passes. But I'm riding Derrick Henry against a soft Minnesota defense for sure. I'm not trying to get cute here. Uh, He's going to get too many touches not to find pay dirt at some point. Henry leads the NFL and carries through two weeks, and the Vikings obviously just lost Anthony Barr for the year. A.J. Brown, wide receiver, is out, so that makes Corey Davis and Jonu Smith nice plays, as they have been in weeks one and two without A.J. Brown for most of that. Um, the Vikings secondary still working out the kinks with three new starters, and I mentioned that they are – Missing two of those starters. So it's just a bunch of backups there for the Vikings defense. And Janu Smith will benefit from no Anthony Barr in coverage. Smith is my tight end eight this week. And you can argue that he's a top six tight end play behind like guys like Kelsey and Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, and Jared Cook. Uh, because after them, it's, it's Noah Fant, it's Evan Ingram, it's TJ Hawkinson, it's Tyler Higbee. All those guys are in Smith's tier. They're all kind of toss-ups there. Corey Davis has a nice matchup, but more of a flex than a wide receiver 2. And I wanted to clarify that. I think you may notice uh, that I say stuff like that, like a flex instead of a wide receiver 2. But I don't just say that for fun. It's for a purpose. When I say Corey Davis is a wide receiver 2, it means that he's a top 24 wide receiver play for me. And if he's a flex, it means that he is a little after that. So I'll mention several other players throughout the length of this podcast that I'll consider a flex option. And I'll call them flex options. And that means that they're very close, right? If, if two people are flex options, that means I have them very close in my rankings, enough to where, like, if I say Deshaun Jackson, Corey Davis are more flex options, it means that you can make a good argument to play either, and it doesn't really bother me which one you play. Go with your gut there. There's enough analysis out there to argue both sides. That's basically what that means. So that's why the terminology matters. Wide receiver or running back one is a top 12 running back for or wide receiver for that week. Wide running back two... Receiver 2 is a top 24 wide receiver or running back, and flex is 12 or so spots after that. It's a tier system, and so as long as players are in the same general tier, you're cool to start really whoever in that tier, and I hope that helps you make decisions. That is the point of this podcast. For for instance, if I say Corey Davis is more of a flex than a wide receiver 2, and I say Robert Woods is more of a mid-tier wide receiver 2, that means I would probably prefer to start Robert Woods this week. Okay. Next game, I just want to clarify that for people who are asking. Uh, A lot of experts just blindly say, oh, yeah, he's a flex and don't really provide any context there or you don't really know what it means. So I hope that helps. Uh, Okay, next game one and one Cleveland Browns against the one and one Washington football team. Cleveland is favored by seven, which on the surface seems pretty lofty if you ask me that the Browns are favored by seven and really against anybody, but the football team is missing right guard Brandon Sheriff, their best blocker, and Dwayne Haskins has really been struggling at the quarterback position, which is pretty important in NFL football. There should be no need to play Dwayne Haskins this week or really any week until he shows improvement, but the good news about the football team's passing attack is that it's very concentrated. Scary Terry McLaurin has 17 targets. He was great last week, and so does Logan Thomas. He was not great last week, but he does also have 17 targets on the season. And the next highest target total on the team is Dontrell Inman with 10. So we know where the ball is going, and it's just a matter of can Haskins get it there. Accurately, that is. Uh, So you can fire up Scary Terry of course, after his mini-explosion last week, he could just kind of wrecked Patrick Peterson in that game. And he's a top-12 wide receiver play against the Browns in almost every week, I would say, for Scary Terry. Cleveland's number 2 cornerback, Greedy Williams, has already been ruled out for this game, and he they may be, the Browns may be without top cornerback Denzel Ward. He is questionable. I also like Logan Thomas at tight end this week. I mentioned on Friday's pod that he's one of my top sleepers this week. If you need a tight end, Logan Thomas, he's getting the usage. The targets and the air yards are there. The game flow is also favorable because Washington is is usually losing, and again, they're seven-point road dogs in this game. He is only had 20-something yards on nine targets last week, which is pretty inefficient, but he's a full-time player, and he's a clear-cut number two receiving option on this team, and there's something to say for—or that's something that a lot of tight ends just can't say, and the Browns have given up uh, a good amount of yards to uh, and touchdowns to tight ends so far this season. Antonio Gibson at running back, he took over the lead back duties against Arizona, but— This isn't a great spot for him on paper. The Browns have played solid run defense this season, and Cleveland is favored by seven. And the Washington football team doesn't have Brandon Scherf, their best blocker. I'd like Washington to use Gibson more as a receiver, which seemingly he should specialize in, as he did in college. He was a hybrid player there. But they've opted to use J.D. McKissick more in the passing game. And I think... Gibson is more of a flex consideration rather than a running back two this week. I'm okay with starting him. I don't really love it. For Cleveland, Baker Mayfield had a bounce back game in week two. But this is clearly a run-first offense, and the volume just isn't there to justify starting Baker Mayfield in single quarterback leagues. He's more of a superflex option. It seems like the Browns will try to control this game with their running game, as they did versus Cincinnati last week, and they were able to do so. But it'll be a tougher task against Washington football team's front seven. They are way better than the Bengals, especially the Bengals were missing Geno Atkins in this game. Nick Chubb should be in starting lineups nonetheless, and Kareem Hunt likely should be as well. I've seen uh, Kareem Hunt as more of a flex option or even worse. I advise not starting him in Week 2, and that was clearly wrong. I've been wrong about Kareem Hunt in both games so far. So apparently, Kareem Hunt more valuable in fantasy football than I would have projected. I don't fully trust him yet because I think that there's a lot of volatility to his game. I don't think he's getting great usage. He's just been really, really efficient. But he also is really, really good, and so is this Browns uh, system and offensive line. So... I still see Kareem Hunt as more of a low-end running back two this week, and Odell Beckham should be treated as more of a low-end wide receiver two uh, as well, considering his lack of usage. He can always pop the lid off the defense uh, for a big play, so he should be in most starting lineups unless you're stacked at receiver. But I'm predicting that Jarvis Landry has his best game to date against the Washington football team, and that's not saying much, seeing as he has not been really a full-time player. He's only playing about 77% of the snaps, and he hasn't been 100% healthy. Coming off that offseason hip surgery, they're kind of just working him back in. His best game to date uh, this season has been in week one where he had like five catches for like 60-something yards. Not that great. He hasn't scored yet, but because I'm predicting more than that, I'm indirectly advocating he's a PPR flex option in this game. And that feel it just feels to me like more of a Jarvis game than an Odell Beckham game. But to be clear, I would start Beckham over Landry because his ceiling obviously is much, much higher than Landry. Okay, 2-0 Rams at the 2-0 Buffalo Bills. And this is one of the games of the week, believe it or not. Josh Allen has been sensational this season. This is a, But this is his toughest challenge yet. After shredding the Dolphins and Jets defenses, the Rams have been better than I expected defensively. They held Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz to days that might go down among their worst performances of the entire season when it's all said and done. The Bills have been very pass-happy and playing at a fast pace. And along with Josh Allen's rushing floor, it makes him an every-week play, though we cannot expect another 30-point game here. Because again, this isn't a cupcake matchup like his first two weeks. Stephon digs in every week wide receiver two play, despite his tough matchup with Jalen Ramsey. But I still see it's in the realm of possibility that he post, you know, a four catch 37-yard game if Ramsey chooses to shadow him. I think he and John Brown will probably share the time matched up against Ramsey, and John Brown's kind of dealing with a foot issue. It lowers both of their ceilings. I don't think either is going to have a blow-up game. Brown's probably more of a wide receiver three on a week-to-week basis because of his ceiling, because he can always uh, get beat—I mean, sorry, not get beat deep. He can always beat the defense deep. However, it's just tough to sit Stephon Diggs and, or, and John Brown so far in fantasy because of their production so far. Uh, but if there's, I don't know, I, I'm just thinking that both will just be okay play this week's not great. Devin Singletary is a much stronger play than normal because Zach Moss is out for this game. And so Singletary should get 80, 90% of the running back touches in this game with only, I think, TJ Yeldon as the backup. I don't know if. Singletary will get goal line scores with Josh Allen there. Maybe that helps Josh Allen's rushing floor if they get in the red zone and Josh Allen uh, does more quarterback sneaks or quarterback draws or more read options, and he keeps it. Uh, but I do think Devin Singletary is a surefire running back two this week compared to his usual, and his usual is just me usually not advising to start him at all. He's more of a bench player. But without Zach Moss, I think that helps big time, even in a Rams matchup that you know is isn't great. Uh, so the Rams— Jared Goff, not an advisable streaming start this week against a strong Bills defense. I'd only play him in Superflex leagues The Bills have Tredavious White, a shutdown corner on the outside, who may shadow Robert Woods, though Robert Woods should still probably be in starting lineups considering that this is a revenge game against his former team. And Cooper Cup is probably my preferred play here, even over Robert Woods, uh, among the Rams' pass catchers, I mentioned him as a buy low on Friday's pod. I see both as wide receiver twos. Tyler Higby it has an exploitable matchup with the Bills, potentially missing their two starting inside linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Mike Jasicki, tight end for the Dolphins, had a field day against this Bills team last week. Uh, without those two, Higby scored thrice last week. That's three times, and. I think he could find the end zone again in this one. He's a top, uh, I would say top eight tight end play. Uh, it, it probably top six tight end play if the Bills linebackers miss. They are both questionable for this game. Milano and Edmonds are. I'd probably only play Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, Jared Cook, uh, you know, maybe maybe John o. Smith over Tyler Higbee. Zach Ertz versus Tyler Higbee. That's a tough call. You know, I'm dealing with that one personally in one league. Daryl Henderson is my favorite. Rams running back, and I think I expect him to play a little bit over Malcolm Brown, maybe get the majority of touches. Malcolm Brown's dealing with a finger issue right now. He actually had surgery during the week, but he is expected to play and be a full go. Cam Akers is out, which will help both Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson kind of make this a two-way running back by committee rather than a three-way. And it is not okay when it is a- in a three-way. And Henderson is probably a flex at best, nonetheless. The 2-0 Bears. Are facing the, they're traveling to the 0 2 Falcons. And Matt Ryan is off to a hot start, but this is his most challenging game yet, especially if Julio Jones is ruled out, which he may be. I suspect that he'll be a game time decision. And I don't know, I really wouldn't be surprised if Julio Jones sits out this game. Dan Quinn. A little coach speak there, he kind of let on or alluded to that when he said earlier this week that Julio's hamstring injury is a little worse for wear than he's letting on, and I'd be hesitant to play Julio even if he does play. You may not have better options, but he has also played through nagging injuries before, so maybe I'm overreacting. However, I think he could sit in this game. If I drafted Julio Jones and I had decent options this week, I'd almost rather sit him so he uh or not, I personally I'd almost rather him sit is what I'm trying to say here that way he can get right uh, and that's if I have decent options of course if if Hulu is my best option of course I'd rather him play the Bears pass defense has been pretty good I have I have Ryan ranked as quarterback 12 this week instead of his usual like quarterback 7 ish and Calvin Ridley is fantasy's number 1 th- receiver through two weeks and is a top 5 receiver play until he proves otherwise though I do expect him to have a tougher time against Chicago And that's especially the case if Julio Jones is out. I think Calvin really is a very good receiver, but I do think he benefits from the attention that Julio gets. And I don't think really be posting the numbers that he did in weeks one and two if Julio is out for this game. I think Russell Gage is a nice play if Julio sits. If not, I probably would not play him here. I would play Hayden Hurst at tight end, however, uh, who I think is trending in the right direction. The Bears have been more attractive to opposing tight ends than wide receivers so far. And y'all know how I feel about Todd Gurley. He's going to get some volume, but he's not been efficient. And he's no longer using the passing game. And I think last week we saw other running backs like Edo Smith and, and Brian Hill be utilized more. And I think Gurley is a touchdown or bust play on a week-to-week basis, it seems like. And I just wouldn't really be starting him or wanting to start him against the Bears. Mitch Trubisky has his third straight soft op- uh, soft opponent to open the season, and he remains a streamable option for sure in flex leagues. He's one of the... It's it's one of the best matchups possible here against the Falcons, of course, who have just been a sieve on defense, like a total sieve, just, you know, wide open. Everybody, you know, points for everybody here. Uh, Total smash fest against the Falcons, and David Montgomery is a viable running back to play. I like but not love this spot for him. I think this spot is much better for Allen Robinson, who I view as a top 12 wide receiver play despite the poor opening games that he has had. It is one of the best matchups, if not the best, for wide receivers. And I'm looking for a strong rebound game for Allen Robinson or a strong first breakout game for him this season. The Falcons may be missing up to five defensive starters in this game to make matters even worse for them. It was already pretty bad. Uh, it may not even matter that they were missing five starters anyway because their defense is that bad. But top cornerback AJ Terrell is out due to a positive COVID test, and their top two pass rushers Dante Fowler and Tack McKinley are questionable for this game. And it would just be so tilting if for a Rob owner or a Rob managers if Darnell Mooney, the number two receiver. For the Bears, catches like a touchdown or two in this game. Or Anthony Miller comes out of nowhere and does the same. But I think Allen Robinson, a great, great play here. Feeling very confident about a good game from him. Okay, moving on to the 0-2 Eagles and the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals. Battle of two pretty bad teams thus far. Carson Wentz has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL to this point. Uh, But call me crazy, I actually like him for fantasy this week. The Bengals. Have been kind of a get right matchup so far. We saw it with Baker Mayfield last week. I just think the Eagles and Wentz, um, you know, they're a good program. The Eagles are. And I shouldn't say program. I'm thinking about college football here. They're just, they're a good team. They're a good organization. And the Eagles are, they're well coached. I just think they're going to be highly motivated after the Eagles just got thrashed all week by the harsh media here. And I have Wentz as my quarterback 12 this week, which is probably higher than you'll see in any expert rankings this week. I view him right along lines of like Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford against Arizona. I think Miles Sanders is an amazing play this week. He's healthy, he's immediately thrust into a top eight running back play probably every week, maybe even higher this week. I think he's one of the top plays in all of fantasy football this week, considering that the Bengals are not only just bad, but they're also missing their best defender, Geno Atkins, defensive tackle for this game. I'm hoping that this is a blow-up spot for Deshaun Jackson as well. The Eagles, they lost Jalen Rager indefinitely with a knee injury, so I think that will help make Deshaun Jackson more of an every-week wide receiver to play despite the start. Deshaun Jackson, I believe, leads the league in air yards, but they just haven't been connecting so far on that, but he's getting the opportunities for deep targets. And I think that I can expect, or I am expecting about 90 yards and a possible score here, though I have been burned by Deshaun Jackson in the first two weeks of the season. Zach Ertz has been pretty underwhelming in a timeshare with Dallas Goddard, and they have both been playing plenty of snaps and receiving plenty of targets. So it's not as if they're canceling each other out because they're both seeing the time, but in reality, Wentz's poor play is kind of affecting both of them. And I like both of them this week, but I don't love either. I'm not giving Ertz any favoritism here over Dallas Goddard. I think they should be ranked right next to each other in rankings. But typically with the experts, you're seeing that Ertz is ranked a lot higher than Goddard in given weekends. I think they're the same. I honestly think it's a 50-50 split between both of them. So you never know which one is going to produce that game. It's sad that you drafted Ertz so much higher than Goddard. Goddard went undrafted in a lot of leagues, but that's just how it is. Through two games, there's no reason whatsoever that we should expect Ertz to outproduce Goddard in a given week. They're playing the same amount of snaps. They're playing getting the same amount of targets. And Goddard's actually been just a little better than Ertz so far. So, I mean, this offense is predicated on the two tight ends. That'll be even more the case without Jalen Rager out there. So, I just think they're both solid plays. Uh, not great. And they... I don't know, for lack of better words, because there's two of them, I guess they do kind of cancel each other out um, at tight end, even though they're both getting the usage of uh, uh, what a good tight end should be. All right, so Joe Burrow showed last week that he should be treated as closer to a quarterback one, a top 12 option on nice matchups, as opposed to purely a backup for fantasy football purposes. I have Joe Burrow as quarterback 14 this week. A.J. Green looked washed last week, but... I expect a mini rebound. I think six to seven catches for 70 yards and a possible touchdown is the right projection for AJ Green. He leads the NFL in end zone targets with six, and he has a few near misses. So some of them, some of them drops. But AJ Green definitely getting the opportunity, definitely getting the usage. Tyler Boyd in every week wide receiver three. I'd rather play Green than Boyd in this matchup because I like Green's chances of scoring more than Boyd's, and Boyd's target share has not been too promising. Uh, I know he got eight targets last week, but Joe Burrow attempted 61 passes last week. So eight targets, actually not that great. We wanted more out of that game, and Tyler Boyd did drop a touchdown in that game. But the Bengals were just playing and trailing all game. So I don't know if this game is going to be competitive or not. Drew Sample, sleeper tight end this week who could be a nice PPR bet for five to seven catches and a possible T- short touchdown against an Eagles team. He's more of a short option. He's not going to have any big plays, Sample will. Most likely, I should say, unless there's like a busted coverage. But this is an Eagles team that is ill-equipped to cover tight ends. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow has shown a liking to tight ends so far this season. C.J. Uzama is out for the season, and we saw Drew Sample. It is It was a limited sample size, pun intended there, but we saw in a limited sample without Uzama that uh, Burrow is just kind of peppering Sample with targets in short in the short area passing game while they were trailing. So yeah, we could see a nice little PPR sleeper day from Drew Sample here. So if you're desperate at tight end, go ahead and plug in Drew Sample, see if he's on the waiver wire. This is not a favorable matchup for Joe Mixon, who looks like he's going to have his third straight poor performance to open up the season. That is not what I was looking for when I ranked him as a top eight running back this season. But the Eagles have been excellent against the run, unfortunately. And hopefully Mixon can find the end zone for once. I think he's a running back to play this week rather than a top 12 option. All right, moving on to the Jets and Colts. This is an obvious smash spot for Jonathan Taylor in a game where the Colts are heavily favored and they should control through Taylor outright like all game. I'd expect at least 20 points from Jonathan Taylor today. He's He's one of the best starts in fantasy football. We can't comfortably be playing Naeem Hines after last week. Let's wait and see. I recommended to hold Hines this week in my podcast, but not to start him. Maybe if you're desperate in a PPR league, maybe you could see some catches. I'm a little worried that they're going to use Jordan Wilkins in mop up duty if the game does get out of hand. Phil Rivers, he's an attractive super flex option against this defense. I think T.Y. Hilton is due for a breakout game, as I mentioned earlier this week. If he can hold on to the ball, of course, he's had three crucial drops this year. I'd recommend that he be in starting lineups because he could go for 90 and a touch in this game if the Jets – can be somewhat competitive, that'd be better for T.Y. Hilton, but that's a big if, right? And also, if the Jets can be somewhat competitive, again, big if, the Rivers can attempt more throw, more than like 20 throws in this game, then maybe Michael Pittman is a sleeper play if here if you're desperate. He's got the matchup. I definitely think Pittman should be rostered in 12s now that Paris Campbell is out indefinitely, but I'm not going to be relying on him just yet. I'm also not going to be really discussing the Jets much in this game. Le'Veon Bell is out. Jamison Crowder is out. Denzel Mims is out. Rashad Perryman is out. That's their three starting receivers and the starting running back. They're also missing their center, I believe, in this game. And it's just a total B team of pass catchers for Sam Darnold. It's just a total situation to avoid altogether with Adam Gase. Sam Darnold, the Jets are just terrible. Uh, You can't really trust any of them in fantasy. So moving on. Uh, Panthers at Chargers. And I really, really love this spot for Austin Eckler. I've mentioned a couple smash plays earlier this week who should have, I mean, earlier in this episode who should have monster games. I mentioned Jonathan Taylor. I've mentioned Miles Sanders so far. I've mentioned Derrick Henry, potentially Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. I like all of them this week. Well, another one of my favorite plays is Austin Eckler. I think Eckler should have a huge day here. And, you know, you can say a little bit of the same for Josh Kelly, but I think there's going to be an Eckler day here. Kelly is more of an RB2 uh, because of the matchup. against you. Again, you want to start every running back you possibly can against Carolina Panthers. That's the story with their defense here, particularly their run defense. So all Chargers, really offensive players, are attractive starts. Uh, Justin Herbert for Superflex Leagues. Keenan Allen is a wide receiver, too. Hunter Henry. There's just so many mouths to feed, especially now with Joshua Kelly taking a lot of the workload at running back. So it's not as fun when projecting ceilings for these Chargers. Uh, guys like Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and Hunter Henry, for example, don't have the upside that they used to with Phillip Rivers at quarterback. But – they can still all have good but not great games, uh, as we've seen. I think that's the expectation here. Mike Williams, more of a desperation flex, kind of a boom or bust flex every week because he is just a big play threat, and sometimes he has the big slash plays, and sometimes he does not. Uh, he was quiet last week, but this is a great matchup here. The hope when you play these pass catches at the Chargers can't just control the game with their running game and defense. And it's possible that they just kind of run the ball 40 times and get an easy win and only score like two touchdowns with some field goals and just hold the Panthers defensively. Uh, So that is the hope. I mean, that is not the hope, unless, of course, you have Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly. But if you're trying to get some passing work here, you want this game to be somewhat competitive. And you can't really like Teddy Bridgewater much here against what looks like a very strong Chargers defense. Now, the Chargers are going to be missing Melvin Ingram For This game, which is huge, but the Los Angeles Chargers, they shut down Burrow in week one, and then they did a number on the best player in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, last week, holding him down for three quarters of last week before Mahomes had a great fourth quarter, and this is just not an ideal spot for DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, unless you have loaded receivers. Now, they are getting the usage. They are getting the targets, so you're probably starting them either way, but maybe expectations should be tempered a little bit. And one of the reasons that makes them so attractive starts is that they're the Panthers are always really trailing in this game or in these games that they're playing. So they're always going to have favorable game script in the second half of games. They're going to be throwing is what I mean to say by that. And without Christian McCaffrey, more touches will be put to the passing game, you would think. Mike Davis should be the featured back here. But – that should be. Don't be surprised if Reggie Bonifon and Curtis Samuel get some running back touches. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think this will be Mike Davis getting 95% of the touches here. There will be other usage for the running backs there. But I do like Davis enough in PPR leagues despite the tough matchup to where I think we can expect 12-16 PPR points. And that that should kind of be the expectation here. Not a great rushing day, but definitely should catch Four to five passes Mike Davis should. So, yeah, I like a lot of players in this game. You know, Keenan Allen, Joshua Kelly should probably be in starting lineups as a flex on RB2. Austin Eckler, obviously all systems go there. I think he's going to have a big game. And uh, Hunter Henry should definitely be in starting lineups there. The other players I mentioned are more of – well, I should say that DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson should probably be in starting lineups. I just don't like their matchups quite as much. The other players I mentioned, uh, like Mike Williams, Mike Davis, are probably just more of flex options there. OK, so moving on to the Bucks and Broncos game, this probably projects to a pretty relatively low scoring game. I think last week was the turning point for Leonard Fournette and the changing of the guard from Ronald Jones to Leonard Fournette. And it happened even sooner than I expected. Right. Like I said all along that that Leonard Fournette, once he was signed by the Bucks, was going to take over the lead back duties by midseason. Well, it looks like it happened in only the second half of week two. So I feel actually pretty good about playing Lorna Fournette here against a very injured Broncos defense. Broncos defense started out this season well, but then they you know, they lost Von Miller even before the season. But they just had a bunch of injuries to both the run defense and the secondary. And I'm not touching Ronald Jones with a 10-foot pole this week. And LaShawn McCoy should not even be rostered in 12-team leagues, possibly even in 14-team leagues. I just don't see the point. And I feel pretty comfy with Tom Brady here, but I'm not forcing it if I have better options. I think he's a low-end quarterback one. I'm certainly forcing it with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, however. Both should be in starting lineups. The target share here is more concentrated than expected because Brady just isn't targeting tight ends in this Bruce Arians offense that hates the tight end position, and we're not seeing a lot of targets go to running backs either. So Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, good plays this week. Uh, that should They should be locked and loaded After, you know, Evans had the slow week one, Chris Godwin didn't play in week two, so both of them should be ready to go together for the first time, fully healthy in week three. All right, so for the Broncos side, Jeff Driscoll will get the start at quarterback for Denver. This is a tough, tough, tough draw for Melvin Gordon, who dominated snaps last week. Because of Phil Blimsey's absence, he's a volume-based running back, too, is what he is. The hope is that he'll catch some passes in a negative game script. Tampa Bay's run defense will likely plug all the gaps. They're very good on run defense. Jared Judy questionable for this game he's supposed to be a game time decision I would guess that he probably does play if he can't go you want to fire up Noah Fant at tight end actually I think Fant is you want to fire him up anyway he's in every week tight end one regardless of quarterback and matchup I think he's a top 12 tight end play pretty much every week until he proves otherwise I get that he doesn't have I get that Jeff Driscoll's quarterback he doesn't have Drew Lock. I don't really care especially because Quitlin Sutton is out for the season and Jared Judy, not 100% healthy, even if he does play. So fans should see at least eight targets in this game, especially because this is a game where the Bucks are expected to win. So the Broncos may be throwing in the second half. And by the way, Jeff Driscoll, not a terrible backup quarterback. Some backup quarterbacks get in there and they're just very timid. They're trying not to make mistakes. Uh, they're very conservative with their passes. Now, Jeff Driscoll is actually pretty aggressive. So if you want a backup quarterback in fantasy football, I mean, if you had to pick out of a lot of backup quarterbacks to come in and still be able to support pass catchers. Jeff Richel's one of the guys there. So he's, he's not afraid to sling it downfield. He's not afraid to run uh, and make some plays. So, yeah, their offense should be in starting lineups. Jerry Judy. You know, he's more of a flex option at best, I would say. It's tough to trust him. He's dealing with that uh, rib injury. If he gets a hard hit, he might have to exit for a few plays. I don't know. We don't really know with Jerry Judy there. He's more of a stash. I like him going forward, uh, especially with Cortland Sutton out for the year. But I don't know if I'm starting him this week. Rookie speedster K.J. Hamler. Uh, Should likely be picked up in 12-team leagues, given the situation that Quillen Sutton is out for the year. But he just can't be trusted yet. The hope is that he blows up, catches a long pass or two, and becomes fantasy-relevant. I've picked him up in three or four leagues already and added him to my bench. And I'm oddly excited about him. I think he's a deep sleeper and a desperation flyer in this game if Jerry Judy misses as well. I would like him a lot more if the matchup were more appetizing. Uh, Detroit at Arizona. This is a total smash spot for Kenyon Drake and Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray, no-brainer here, of course. He could be a legit MVP candidate if the Cardinals keep winning. DeAndre Hopkins could finish as fantasy's wide receiver one overall. And Christian Kirk is out for this game. And he's going to be playing a Lions secondary starting a rookie and missing its number two and three corners who are out for this game. And, again, they're rookie I mean, their cornerback number one, their best corner, is a rookie. So DeAndre Hopkins should have a field day. Uh, and Kenyon Drake, he started slow because of matchup purposes, and he's not getting you know a lot of touchdowns here. But he is getting the volume, and the Lions just hemorrhaged points to Aaron Jones and company last week. Jones was the number one player in fantasy last week, thanks to the helpful serving of holes that Detroit allowed him to run through. And Drake has a similar style to Aaron Jones, and he could. this could be his first big day of the season. He's one of my favorite fantasy plays this week, and I mentioned him as a buy-low target in Friday's episode. One deep sleeper here is Andy and Isabella, who should be really taking over the Christian Kirk role, and he may be able to get over the top of this Lions, kind of barely their defense. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up even being more attractive than Christian Kirk and producing more numbers than Kirk has so far in two games, which hasn't been much. For the Lions, I liked Matt Stafford more when it looked like Kenny Galladay was going to be 100% for this game. It looks like Galladay is going to play. However, Galladay himself admitted that he's not 100%. He could be more of a decoy in this game. I'm not comfortable playing players usually on the first week back after missing multi-week, multiple weeks with injuries. Uh, but I understand that if you draft him, you might not have two or three better options. I would lean towards sitting him this week. I know it's a tasty matchup. I know it's tough. But we just don't know there, so I, I don't want to risk like a goose egg there. Uh, but I do think his presence overall helps Matt Stafford. So I'm cool with starting Stafford here in a possible shootout, or at least in a favorable game script situation for Stafford, who obviously gets his best target back and who will attempt to keep up, have have to keep up with Kyler Murray. Who's they're definitely going to score some points. The Cardinals will. They're one of the best, you know, my favorite teams to be – probably my favorite team to have the most points uh, for a team total all week. So Matt Stafford, borderline quarterback one. Kenny Galladay, I think you start him if no reports come out there and say that he's going to be limited in any capacity. You start him if you don't have really better options. But if you do have great options on your bench – and you're comfortable playing those options, like you feel pretty good about those options, then I may lean towards benching Kenny Galladay if you have that luxury. You may get the urge to start running backs against Arizona's uh, normally poor defense, but this is a three-way running back by committee. You can't trust Matt Patricia. If I had to pick one, I'd probably play DeAndre Swift, but I'd rather not have to pick a Lions running back. Uh, Marvin Jones is an okay. He's an okay flex here, and I like TJ Hawkins and chances of finishing as a top 12 tight end. Uh, this week, he burned the Cardinals in week one last year. I just wish that Detroit would use Hawkinson more. Every time they throw in the ball, and I mean every time they throw in the ball, good things have happened. They're just not throwing in the ball enough, and I just don't get it. Kenny Galladay may help, may hurt, depending on how you look at that, but this is the second highest point total per Vegas, so generally you will want players in this game. So moving on to actually the highest point total per Vegas here with 55 an over under of 55.5 and that is Dallas at Seattle. So again these are games that you want to be starting your fantasy players in. I'm not going to waste your time talking about Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Obviously both should be started in a potential shootout both should finish the season as top five quarterbacks as well. And the only thing preventing them from not having big games is if the other holds on to the ball too long and too long of drives and maybe the game is lower scoring because the defense is – sometimes when the defenses are so bad and the quarterbacks are so good, they have these long drives that last like half a quarter and it limits the possessions here rather than these big splash plays, which is really what we want. You want the drives to go as quickly as possible. And you know, oftentimes when two teams are – Pretty much the same. They have Dak Prescott. They have Russell Wilson. Everyone's expecting a huge game from both of them. Oftentimes, they somewhat cancel each other out in times of possession. So what will happen is they'll both have good games, not great games. But either way, or one will have a great game and the other won't. But either way, you're starting both of them here. I like this matchup. We should be able to get at least 50 total points in this game. And that's despite... Uh, Tyron Smith, left tackle, elite left tackle for Dallas. He is likely out for this game. I thought it was going to be a bigger deal than it ended up being last week. But, again, then again, that was the Falcons. But then again, this is the Seattle Seahawks, who have really no defense whatsoever. They have a couple good, good players. But, again, they lost nickel cornerback Marquise Blair for the season. They lost their best pass rusher, Bruce Irvin, for the season. So they are reeling defensively other than, like, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. they so this is a long way of saying you want to fire up all of your Seattle Seahawks wide receivers, which there are really just two of them. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, you're starting them every week. Definitely this week. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, I would say the same every week starters. The tricky part here is Michael Gallup, who mainly has just been a deep threat for at this point for Dallas. Uh, when he's targeted, it's usually on a deep pass, but he just hasn't been getting a lot of targets. But I think one of those will connect sooner Then later, I have good vibes about Michael Gallup this week, and I would want him in starting lineups because of the shootout nature of this game, the way it sets up to be, and as a flex option, of course. uh, But if you have better options, you know, don't try to force it. You know, I wouldn't worry about it. So far, Gallup has been a disappointment this season. But I think he's a pretty solid flex play given the matchup, uh, and I'm giving him one or two more weeks before I just kind of give up and just say, hey, you know, Michael Gallup, you know, might be a bust this year. Uh, But this is a a potential great spot for him. Uh, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach on Dallas tight end Dalton Schultz. He led Dallas in receiving last week somehow, despite all those good receivers. And that would be pretty annoying if you roster a Dallas receiver like Gallup or even like CeeDee Lamb where Schultz becomes a thing. And he might. But I would say he's worth rostering. And, and maybe even playing in 14-teamers, but I'm just stashing at this point, just stashing for now. Obviously, you were starting Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Carson. I realize that Chris Carson has been touchdown dependent, but I'm going to wait until he doesn't score one day before I start worrying about that kind of stuff. This Seattle offense just looks so good, thanks to Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson, uh, that Chris Carson's always getting in position to score. So, yeah, the volume's somewhat concerning. And I did have a very strange dream last night that Carlos Hyde had this massive fantasy day, but it was one of those really unrealistic dreams where he had like 690 rushing yards and like seven rushing touchdowns. I don't know if that means I should be starting Chris Carson or I don't know if it, I mean, sorry, Carlos Hyde, or I don't know if it means Chris Carson's going to go down and Hyde's going to feast today. But uh, I'd rather the dream be pretty much more realistic here. Like maybe Carlos Hyde scored two touchdowns. But uh, no, I'm not going to be using uh, following up on that and using Carlos Hyde in the stream. I just thought it was interesting and worth noting here. And you can blame me if, if Chris Carson gets hurt in this game uh, because of my dream. Uh, but anyway, I am starting Chris Carson this week if I roster him. Okay, San Francisco 49ers, New York Giants. The 49ers are unquestionably the most banged-up team in the NFL. They are missing quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously starting quarterback there. That's huge. Missing starting running back Raheem Mostert. He's been great. They're missing their best player, tight end George Kittle. They're missing their best wide receiver, Debo Samuel. They're missing their starting center, Weston Richburg. And they're missing a couple of great defenders, Nick Bosa, their best player on defense. Their best cornerback, Richard Sherman. What? as well as defensive lineman D. Ford and Solomon Thomas. I think the Giants could actually pull the upset here, even without Saquon Barkley. Still, the Giants, I'm only starting Evan Ingram and maybe Darius Slayton in this game. Daniel Jones is more of a super flex play, and he's only that because the Niners are so banged up. Golden Tate should be rostered, but likely not started. He could lead this team in receiving and nobody should really blink an eye. But if he does that, it's still going to be for like seven catches, 80 yards. He's just got a low floor. He's more of just like a bi-week filler. Uh, That's kind of how I view Golden Tate. Uh, The ceiling of Darius Slayton is even higher. I I get that he's kind of a boomer bust play, like does he hit the big play or not, but uh, but I'm okay with using him as a flex option, seeing as the Niners uh, are missing Richard Sherman. And I'm not using any Giants running back yet if I – even if I spent the fab money on Devonta Freeman, he still has to learn the playbook and get in shape. He's a hold. He's not a start yet, and he may never be. We, we just don't know, but he could end up being the Giants' lead back. I mean, you just took a risk if you spent some fab money on him uh, that he would be fantasy relevant, and I did the same. And we will see what happens there, but I'm not wanting to see that this week. Uh, I'd go with Deion Lewis this week if I had to choose between a Giants running back. But choosing between a Giants running back is, of course, suboptimal. I like Evan Ingram this week, but that's about it for the G-man, the, the G-men, I should say. Uh, for San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, he is out. Raheem Mostert out. George Kittle out. I already said that. I expect all three to come back probably next week, if not the week after. These are not long extensive injuries. I don't think I am going back to the Jordan Reed well at tight end. If you took my advice in last week's matchup preview and you used Jordan Reed as a sleeper, as a pivot uh, for an injured George Kittle, then good for you. But I'd rather like a Drew Sample or a Logan Thomas this week than a Jordan Reed. Reed did look good, though, and so if you want to double down and maybe Thomas and Sample aren't in free agency and you want to, and you have George Kittle, then yeah, go for it. It is a nice matchup against the Giants, barely their defense. Uh, I mean, they just don't have a really a lot of options to throw to the Niners do, do they? So Nick Mullins, he's going to start at quarterback. I expect the 49ers to lean on the run game and be kind of a committee there with Jeff Wilson and Jarek McKinnon. And I say Jeff Wilson first because I do think Jeff Wilson will get the red zone work, and I do think he will actually lead the team in touches. I know that's not what a lot of Jarek McKinnon uh, roster managers want to hear. However, I think San Francisco wants to uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they want to feature Derek McKinnon coming off the knee surgeries. I think McKinnon has looked so fresh this, uh, so far this season. The Niners want to keep it that way by not overworking him. Still, McKinnon is a flex play for sure, especially in PPR formats. But I just wouldn't be surprised if Wilson outscores him this week. So if you're desperate at running back and you see Jeff Wilson in free agency there— I would go ahead and pick him up, and I may even, I don't know, I see them both as pretty equal plays, honestly, in PPR leagues, but in a non-PPR league, I may even play Jeff Wilson over uh, Jarek McKinnon. So um, moving, we got to move on to the Raiders and Patriots, and this feels like a letdown spot for the Raiders. After an emotional primetime victory against the New Orleans Saints and, and traveling on a short week, the Raiders are, the Vegas is also entering the game without starting right tackle Trent Brown. And without left guard, Richie Incognito, and Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller, their two best players on offense, are going into this game questionable with injuries. They both are expected to play, but they're not going to be 100%. So I'm a little bearish on the Raiders' fantasy outlooks this week, not to mention it's Bill Belichick. It's a tough matchup. Uh, It's probably not going to be a great day for Josh Jacobs. I think he'll have a similar game to last week's 80 to 100 scoreless yards. But don't hear what I'm not saying. I do think he's a must-start every week. He's that talented, especially now that he's catching three or four passes a game. It makes him more game-script proof, and the Raiders could be down in this game. It's going to be interesting to see if they use – like, they've used Josh Jacobs in the passing game, but I'm really interested to see what happens if the Raiders are trailing like by multiple scores. Like, are they actually going to keep – Uh, trotting Jacobs out there? Are they going to just divert to Devontae Booker in the passing game? I'm not really sure, but I hope that the Raiders can keep this game competitive so we can see more Josh Jacobs. This feels like a trap spot for Derek Carr, who I'm not using in fantasy unless it's a super flex league. I expect the Patriots to watch the film, obviously, on last week. Uh, Duh, of course, it's Bill Belichick, and they will see Darren Waller was targeted 16 times compared to the next highest Raider of three targets, and Bill Belichick will probably sell out If I know anything about Belichick, it's probably going to to be to sell out to stop Darren Waller and to force Carr to beat them with other options, especially with Henry Ruggs out. So, look, this is no easy task uh, to stop both Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, but it helps that they're banged up, and it helps that Henry Ruggs is not out to spread the defense. So, one way of doing this, we could see the Patriots put Defensive Player of the Year and shut down cornerback Stephon Gilmore. who's very physical on Darren Waller, and that remains in play here. Uh, I think you have to start Waller if you have him, and I unfortunately don't. But if I did, I would definitely be starting Darren Waller in this game. But don't be surprised if there's kind of a letdown game this week. Perhaps the Patriots don't use their top cornerback on Waller, uh, in which case he'd probably lock down Brian Edwards, making him pretty useless in this game. And Ruggs' absence Uh, You know, he'll make Brian Edwards the number one receiver, but he's just not yet rostering in 12s. He hasn't really shown anything despite having potential, you know, like in a dynasty format or something like that. Cam Newton is a must start as he was in his prime. Though I recognize that a lot of managers who drafted Cam Newton are presented with, I guess, a good situation to have, but predicaments that they drafted Cam late. So they drafted him as a backup to a guy like Matt Ryan or Josh Allen or Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers. And I'd play Cam over all four this week, honestly. I think this is a great spot for him. I don't view Deshaun Watson in that tier anymore, but I'll touch on that in my next uh, segment. I think our next game is the Patriots here. I'm not touching any Patriots running back, though if I'm forced to pick, I'm probably going to go with Sexy Rex uh, Burkhead there. It looks like James White and Damian Harris will return next week. They're both out for this contest. Julian Edelman showed why he's a weekly wide receiver to play. I don't know if he'll last all season taking all these hits, and he just generally never does last a full season, honestly. I hate to say it. but So maybe he's a sell high after this week if he has another great game. We shall see. Uh, Nikhil Harry is a buy low. He isn't a great athlete, but Newton really likes him. And Harry went down at the 1 or 2-yard line last week. And then in week 1, he also lost a fumble into the end zone when he went down to the 1. So that ends up being a touchback rather than a touchdown. That's an 8-point fantasy swing right there, obviously. And if both would have been touchdowns, we'd view Nikhil Harry very differently, right? So I think Harry is a solid wide receiver or flex option, given the usage there and a pretty good matchup against a Raiders team that you know isn't that great in the secondary yet. They're really young there. Uh, so next game, Houston Texans at Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think this is going to be a pretty one-sided game, as I do with the Raiders and Patriots game, and I think. The Patriots and Steelers should be able to really handle their opponents this week. And this is a potentially ugly setting for Deshaun, Watson, and company like it was last week against Baltimore. I'm leaning towards benching the Texans that I have rostered. I'm mainly talking about Will Fuller and David Johnson, of course. I don't have Watson rostered on any teams. If I did, I'd view Watson as strictly a quarterback two this week, only for Superflex Leagues. I'm worried about Will Fuller this week because we just don't know how healthy he is. He's not, he's mysteriously not on the injury report after nursing a hamstring injury in last week's game and total goose egg performance from Will Fuller there. He played like half the snaps and he didn't even receive a target against Baltimore. I think he, he might have been dealing with cramps. It might be a hamstring pull. I'm not really sure what it is, but he's not on the injury report. Uh, I have Fuller obviously on pretty much every team and. You know, I'm starting him in some leagues. I'm benching him in other leagues. I would lean towards sitting him, not because it's not that I don't trust. It's less about a health thing. It's more because of the matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? So there will be games where I'm rolling the dice uh, or leagues that I'm rolling the dice on Will Fuller, and there's going to be games I'm sitting. It really just depends on my bench options there. I know I'm starting Deshaun Jackson over him in a couple teams, so – you know, We'll just see with Will Fuller. It's just tough to sit a guy like him because it only takes one play for him to pop and because the Texans really have no other receivers. Although Brandon Cooks did have a nice showing last week. I'm not playing Brandon Cooks yet uh, for the sole purpose that Will Fuller will presumably be back healthy. I mean, that's obviously no guarantee with Will Fuller as it is any week. But Brandon Cooks, he showed out last week. I am stashing him on my bench. Uh, I definitely think he should be rostered in 12-team leagues. But again, this is a pretty tough matchup against the Steelers. David Johnson, he's healthy. He's getting most of the workload, uh, and Duke Johnson is questionable for this game, so he might get even 100% of the workload. But he got 100% of the workload last week, and it wasn't very pretty against the Ravens. It wasn't DJ's fault. DJ played fine, but the problem was that the matchup was just too tough, and the Texans started trailing early. And that could happen here against the Steelers. So, Joe Do- Johnson, a tough play. He's more of a back-end um, kind of flex play here. The hope is that he catches some passes here. It's just a brutal sp- spot for David Johnson and Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, look at the Texans who they started out with this year. They've had to open the season with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs, the Baltimore Ravens, and who are favored against the Super Bowl champs this week, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's arguably the three best teams in the AFC. Definitely the two best defenses probably in the entire NFL in their first three games. It's just a brutal, brutal start, and I promise the schedule opens up uh, after this. So... You know, I still feel good about David Johnson and Will Fuller and season long from that per- or looking forward from that perspective. It's just a it's just a really really tough opening start for them. But as far as David Johnson goes, I'd rather uh, him on my bench for guys like maybe Josh Kelly, Leonard Fournette, Devin Singletary, uh, maybe even Jarek McKinnon. But I'm not going. I'm not straying any further than that. I'm not just forcing it because. Uh, it's a bad matchup again. David Johnson will get the bulk of the workload there, which is helpful. I view him similar to Melvin Gordon, like he's got a really tough matchup against the Bucks there, but he should get the majority of the workload. It's just a volume-based, you know, flex option there at wide receiver. You know, a lot of you probably have Will Fuller on your teams if you follow my draft guide. Uh, the guys I'm starting maybe over Will Fuller, are considering Deshaun Jackson, Ty Hilton, the all three of the Cowboys receivers, Deontay Johnson, of course, uh, maybe Corey Davis. I would say I'm, I'm kind of waiting and seeing with Brandon Cooks as I mentioned. I'm not starting. I'm not firing him up yet because of the matchup. Okay, for the Steelers, all systems go. Total green light game for Big Ben, who I have as quarterback nine this week. I think it's a great uh, plum matchup for Big Ben. James Conner, who should be a borderline RB one as long as he's healthy, like every week. And the Texans' defense has been like soft-serve ice cream to date. So fire up Connor. And I absolutely – you know, I love Juju Smith-Schuster this week. I love Deontay Johnson this week. I think both of them could have a good game. Uh, I mean, can you tell that I expect the Steelers to score points in this game and win? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm fully expecting the Patriots and the Steelers to just kind of walk over their opponents this week. And I'm just hoping – you know that Will Fuller has a breakout game here. Uh, I am starting him in some spots, but that's what I'm most concerned about in this game. Well, obviously James Conner too, but I feel a lot more confidence about James Conner than Will Fuller, of course. Okay, let's get on to the kickers and defenses. All right, my top 12 kickers and defenses of the week. If your defense. Uh, or kicker is not on this list, and you're in a 12-team league, I'm more or less advocating that you cut whoever you have at kicker and defense to play the highest-ranked player on this streaming list. Okay, kicker's Justin Tucker is my number one kicker this week against the Chiefs. And believe it or not, my number two kicker this week is not Harrison Butt kicker against Baltimore. It is Zane Gonzalez uh, for the Cardinals against Detroit Lions. I think he's a great play this week. Harrison Butt kicker, don't be cutting him. Uh, he is my number three Kicker for the week, but keep him if you have him. Don't go cut butt kicker for Zane Gonzalez, even though I just implied that you should. But you want to keep Harrison butt kicker. He's going to have better matchups uh, than this one as the season progresses. You obviously want to. Zane Gonzalez, Justin Tucker, Harrison butt kicker. They are pretty much every week plays here. Rodrigo Blockenship is my number four kicker this week because he's facing the Jets. He had a huge day last week. Chris Boswell is my number five kicker. He's the Pittsburgh kicker there. He is going against up, up against Houston. I just talked about how I feel about that matchup there. He should have positive game script as well, and the um, Steelers should be scoring a lot of points. Robbie Gold... Against the New York Giants, I get that the Niners are very banged up, but I still, you know, the Niners should be expected to win that game, though I believe that the Giants could pull off the upset. But Robbie Gold, he's been pretty good so far. I think Robbie Gold is a good play this week. Mason Crosby against the New Orleans Saints and Will Lutz against the Green Bay Packers. So both kickers in that game. That should be a high-scoring game on Sunday Night Football. Um, Michael Badgley, Carolina Panthers kicker and he is going up against – sorry, excuse me. Michael Badgley is the Los Angeles Chargers kicker, and he's going up against the Carolina Panthers. That's what you want there. Youngway Koo for the Falcons, he's going up against the Bears. I think his outlook has helped if Julio Jones plays in this game. Jason Myers against the Dallas Cowboys, and Greg the Legs, their against the Seattle Seahawks, both kickers in that game. If you need a streamer that I haven't mentioned so far, maybe Jake Elliott for the Eagles against the Bengals. They've kind of been a sieve defensively. And Ryan Suckup against the Denver Broncos. They should win that game. One, uh, defensively, uh, for the defense streamers, the Colts are my number one defense play of the week. They are playing against the hapless New York Jets. Steelers are my number two against the uh, against the Sean Watson. They should get a bunch of sacks. Watson loves to hold on to the ball too long to try to make plays. The uh, Los Angeles Chargers against the Panthers are my number three defense, even though they are missing Melvin Ingram in that game. My number four defense is Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Denver Broncos, I think, playing a backup defense, and I just love the Bucs defense this year. I have him on like almost every team. Uh, so I'll be rooting for the Bucks defense this week. Uh, Patriots defense, they might be in free agency because they got cut because people didn't, you know, they were playing against the Seahawks last week and they should not have been started obviously, but they might have gotten cut in your league. So they might be in free agency. I like them against the uh, Vegas Raiders this week. Uh, The Buffalo Bills defense against the Rams. I I would say the Rams defense against the Bills as well. I think that could be a game with some sacks and some turnovers. Uh, You know, there might be points in that game, but I also think there's going to be again some mistakes. So uh, 49ers. Defense against the New York Giants. It's usually advisable to start defenses against this Giants team with Daniel Jones. Uh, he has a propensity for turning the ball over, and Saquon Barkley is not there. The Browns' defense against the Washington football team. It's also been advisable to start defenses against the Washington football team, so they're a good streamer. Tennessee Titans against the Minnesota Vikings. I think that game's actually going to be close, but Kirk Cousins has just been so brutal. So if you have the Titans as your defense, you, know, you should feel pretty good about that matchup this week, though the Titans have underwhelmed. Uh, And then the Bears' defense against the Atlanta Falcons, especially if Julio Jones doesn't go. I like the Bears' defense this week. I think even though the Falcons will probably move the ball, I don't think they'll be nearly as elite without Julio Jones. And then potential streamers there. You can get the Cardinals versus the Lions. I think it's going to be a high-scoring matchup. But – Matt Stafford, especially if Kenny Dalladay isn't at full health, they could make some mistakes there. I expect the Cardinals to win that game so they'll have a positive game script. And then the Eagles, same thing. I expect them to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. They could force Joe Burrow into some mistakes, even though points likely will be scored in that game. As a reminder, I did preview the Saints versus Packers game, the Sunday night football game, and the Chiefs and Ravens. So big fancy implications for both of those games. I previewed both of those games on my Friday show. So episode 36. So go back and listen to the end of that show. If you want the previews for those games and help to help you make roster decisions. Uh, Again, Chiefs, Ravens, Saints, Packers, not in this preview today. If you didn't notice, they are in the preview from yesterday's episode. So check that out if you have not already. All right. That'll conclude today's episode. If you enjoyed listening to today's show, please do me a solid. Hit the subscribe button and give a positive rating or review. I really would appreciate that. Good luck in week three, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. See ya.